Welcome to Conversations with John and Lisa. And hey, John, we're going to be talking about a topic uh, really that a lot of people have a lot of confusion about. We're going to be talking about holiness and intimacy with God. And I know this is something super close to your heart. It really is. And I hope nobody turns off the podcast right now just after hearing that word, because it is a word that frightens a lot of people, and rightfully so. Why, why would you say rightfully so? Intimacy or holiness? Well, you know, I, I, I grappled with this. You know, Lisa, you and I were raised Catholic, so we were never really exposed to maybe some of the extreme and wild out there holiness teachings that were going on with churches or whatever. I just found Jesus in my college fraternity and started reading my Bible, and I'm like, this is this is what I'm seeing. I'm seeing holiness all over the place. I'm like, you can't avoid this subject. This is like trying to say, oh, I'm going to come to the United States, but I don't want anything to do with so, apple pie so, and baseball. You know, well, I hate. <laughs> it's baseball. a big part of it. I'm sorry. Uh, yeah, that's good. That's that's probably a bad example. Pie. I like isn't pumpkin it? pie. Okay, but let's let's talk about this. Maybe right off the front, we should define what holiness is. Yes, I, I'd love for you to go ahead and do that before I jump into it. Okay, so in my perspective, I have found out that holiness is not about us trying to be good. It is about living with a revelation that we are gods, that we are bought with a price, and everything about us is consecrated to him. I love that. That's a beautiful, beautiful view of what it truly is. And, you know, I mean, Lisa, when you when you talk about holiness, you can't separate the one word that's that goes along with it, and that's intimacy with God. Can you imagine? I mean, let, let me let me just put it to you this way: the the New Testament speaks about two different types of holiness. It talks about positional holiness. If you look at Ephesians one four, it's very clear. It says, "Even before God made the world, God loved us and chose us in Christ to be holy and without fault in His eyes." So before we ever even made the decision, God, I want to be yours, He made the decision to declare us as holy. That's our positional holiness in Christ. So the moment we received Jesus, the day I got born again, positionally, I was as holy as I'm ever going to be. Okay, now I think that's really, really important to to emphasize because, again, people might be saying, John Bevere, you're talking about works here. None of us can have works, you know, that are pleasing to God, you know. So here's the thing. We're talking about positional holiness in Christ. That's the God who makes you holy. But there's also another manifestation of holiness, which is sanctification, and which we get to work on. That is behavioral. I like to call it right. behavior holiness. And the New right. Testament talks about this. And Lisa, the way I want to I compare it is when you and I got married 35 years ago, just last month, so we're it's now on 35. Believe. I it's know, this is amazing. When you walked down that aisle, you became John Bevere's wife. I became Lisa Bevere's husband. I'm not more your husband today than I was 35 years ago, positionally. And I'm not going to be more your husband 35 years from now, positionally. But, you know, I had a behavior before I got married to you. I flirted with girls. I got girls' phone numbers. I dated girls. After I got married... You taught girls tennis lessons and promised to teach them after we were married, too. And I had to tell her, sorry, he cannot fulfill that promise. Oh, my gosh. That's right. That was that girlfriend before you. Yes, that was the girlfriend before me. I forgot all about that, Women don't forget. Yes, they don't. You are the the best elephants on the planet. No, I'm joking. Um, No, babe, but... After I got married to you, I stopped There's flirting no such with thing girls. As holy tennis I stopped flirting. I stopped flirting with girls. I stopped asking for girls' phone numbers. I started stopped talking inappropriately. Why? Because I wanted a behavior now that would match my position. Right? That's awesome. And if you look at what Peter says in First Peter chapter one verses fourteen and fifteen, he says, "So you must live as God's obedient children. Don't slip back into your old ways of living to satisfy your own desires. You didn't know any better then." 
but now you must be holy in everything you do. Now he's talking about our behavior, just as God who chose you is holy. So now we're talking about behavior. So, yeah, so really, almost what it's saying right there, very simply, because I try to take everything complicated and make it really simple. God is holy. We do holy. Right. Yeah. I love so that, Lise. God is holy in all that he is, so he's asking us to be holy in what we do. Right. And so if I look at the motivation for being holy, why would I want that? Because Hebrews twelve fourteen says, pursue holiness, which means chase after with the intent to apprehend holiness, without which no man will see the Lord. Now, let's talk about that chase after holiness. You wouldn't have to chase after being my wife because you already are my wife positionally but you would chase after or pursue a wife's behavior. Relational. Know, a relational. Time together. Right, right. So what, I'm, what, what I see Hebrews 12, 14 saying is, for you to see God, you are going to have to have behavioral holiness, which we can't do without the grace of God. I, I, I tried living holy, Lisa, and I failed. I tried and I failed I and that. I tried and yeah. I failed. Right. Until I learned about God's empowering grace that gives us the ability to do what we couldn't do in our own ability. Now, a lot of people look at that and they say, okay, without holiness, no man's going to see the Lord. But what I want to challenge on that, they're, they're talking about seeing him in heaven. I don't think that's what that's talking about at all. You know, what do you think it's talking about? Well, every eye is going to behold him when he returns. It says even the people that crucified him are going to behold him. It says even the demons are going to bow their knees. Right? Yeah. Mm-hmm. So... The way I like to illustrate this is I've been an American citizen for 58 years, right? So I've been under 12 presidents. Their decisions have affected my life. They are my leader, but I've never seen one of them. I've never been in the presence of a president, United States president. You've seen them. You just haven't been with them. Right. So I see Hebrews 12, 14 talking about the presence of God. So there there are Christians that are under his jurisdiction. His decisions affect their life but they're not in his presence. And when you understand that, it motivates you to pursue holiness. Now, wait, now I want you to, I want you to make some clarity on that because the Bible is very clear that we can enter his gates with thanksgiving and enter his courts with praise. So we have this relational where we can come into the presence of God and pray and, and find mercy and help in our time of need. So we're not saying that people can't get that. What you're saying is, are you talking about a different type of presence of God? You're not talking about his omnipresence, are you? I'm talking about he you're talking walks about his manifest, manifest presence. presence. The omnipresence is David said, where can I go from your presence? You're there. The manifest presence is when he reveals himself to our senses, our mind, our emotions. We actually tangibly sense him. And that's a real part of Christianity. Jesus said, I will manifest myself to you. And he's actually talking about living in a way that that would glorify him. I mean, let me just bring it back to the husband and wife. My main motivating factor for not committing adultery against you, Lisa... Is this deer head on the back wall? The deer head on the back wall. You are a sharpshooter, and that is true. And you told me you would make it painless. I did. Right. But that's not my main motivating factor. My main motivating factor is being your husband, and you are a remarkable woman, that means that if I'm pursuing the behavior of a godly husband, it's going to make it a lot easier for you to open your heart to me and share your secrets and your intimate secrets with me. So what I never want to lose is I never want to lose that ability where you look at me when our heads are touching the pillow and you say something to me you wouldn't say to anybody else. If I look at the way we have handled the grace of God 
in the Western church, the modern church. It's like saying, Jesus, I'm technically married to you. I'm technically one with you. I'm born again. I'm saved. But yet, if we flirt with the world, is he really going to share the intimate secrets of our heart? Just like if I looked at you and said, hey, I've got a wedding marriage license that says I'm married to you, but I'm I'm going to bed with other girls. You're not going to share your intimate secrets with me. I'm not going to share my bed with you. Nothing. Yeah. I'm not feeding yeah. you. Yeah. Well, yeah. And so... As Christians, what do we desire more than anything else? Jesus, when he was talking to that church and he said, I'm standing at the door and knocking, Yeah, he, he's not talking evangelistic. He's not saying, yeah, I, I, and I think it's great that we use this evangelistically, hey, stand at the door and knocking at your heart. But he's talking to a church. And what he's saying is, you know, let's say somebody really, really important that we wanted to see came knocking at our door. Let's say Roger Federer came and knocked at our door, right? You know, Roger Federer was like, man, I want to meet John and Lisa Bevere. I want to spend time. I want to have a meal, a, a Lisa Bevere, wonderful Sicilian cooked meal. And yet we've got so much noise going on in our house. He's knocking at our door. He's knocking at our door. And then all of a sudden he's like, okay. And he walks away. I think Jesus is saying, if you have all that noise of the world going on in your heart, you have all this flirtation with the world going on in your heart, and I'm knocking, you're going to miss these opportunities because he said, I'm going to come in and and dine with you. I think he's saying, I'm going to serve you the richest food in the universe, which is manna from heaven, revelation, knowledge, wisdom, insight, understanding, abilities, and how we can reach our neighbors. So that's the way I see it. How do you see it, babe? Well, I love that, and I was, and I was also reading, you know, uh, Hebrews twelve twenty eight right here, where it says, "Therefore, since we are receiving a kingdom which cannot be shaken, you know, the kingdom of God in us cannot be shaken. You know, it's a it's a solid foundation." It says, "Let us have grace." So even though it it can't be shaken, let us have grace by which we may serve God acceptably with reverence and godly fear. Wow! So we have reverence and godly fear, and and I love how you always talk about. It's not about being afraid of God. It's about being scared to be away from Him. So it's not that we are scared of God, like, oh, He's going to be mad at me. He's looking for a reason to judge me. But we draw near, trembling at His Word. And and I think that we've gotten a little flirtatious and familiar with the Word of God. We live in a day and a time where there's never been more amazing communicators, and yet there's a lot of confusion about what holiness means. And holiness means that you live in a way that people see that you are no longer your own, that you are God's. And people, they don't necessarily see that. Now, they now say, grace right covers you, me. You I don't have to live beautiful. like that. People see that we belong to him. Right. When that you and I got married, you know, you, mm-hmm. you, you have this look that says to guys, hey, I'm in love. I have children. Don't even talk to me. Because you're, you're, you're next to guys on airplanes all the time. And I know... I know that I've got that look too. And, you know, usually the first thing I do is if a woman starts talking to me, is like, oh, yeah, my wife told me about this shirt or something like that. I'll immediately, I'm you know, stop start. dressing you cute. <clears throat> yeah, I know. Um, the other day, this lady said, you had the cutest outfit of the day award on the airplane. I was like, yeah, my wife. And that's what I said to her. I said, yeah, my wife picked it out. <laughs> yeah. You want her number? <laughs> no. But what I'm saying is, Lisa, you and I, you know, we we have this 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 aura around us of, I'm a married man. You, I'm a married woman, and I'm, 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 I'm a happily married woman. I'm, right. I am a happily married man. Well, when we carry this aura around us, I'm happily belonged to Jesus Christ. 
it just says to the world, there's something about you. And, it, you and can we just say, we're not talking about being perfect because part of it actually being an example of Jesus is when you make mistakes, apologizing. Yes. You know, I had, I couldn't I had agree a, more. I've I had, had a, to do a lot of apologizing yes. in my life. <laughs> yeah. I had a flight attendant be really snarky to me the other day on the plane and I decided I wasn't in the mood to be nice back. And I was, you know, like my first, <laughs> my first two interactions with her, I was very impatient. And then I was like, you know what? I can't do that. I can't answer her back in turn because I'm not my own. I've got to answer her back in a way that would be correct. And I had to apologize to her. And it's embarrassing when you have to apologize. But when you understand you're not your own, you apologize because you don't have the right to misrepresent being a Christian. And a lot of Christians are really misrepresenting what it looks like to be a Christian. And the world has backed us in a corner and said, don't tell us we have to be holy. That's judging us. Don't tell us this. Don't do that. Well, I'm sorry. There's a big difference between holy and warning people and judging people and alienating them. And what you're doing is you're saying there's way more. There's an intimate relationship with God for you if you will actually press in and say, God, I want to be holy. I want to live in such a way that my life honors you because I want an intimate relationship with you. I don't want anything to stand between us. I don't want any breach. I know that I'm saved. I know I'm going to heaven. I know that Jesus is my Lord, but I want to bring other people with me and I want to live in the fullness of a Christian life. We're the only Jesus the lost are going to see. And if you remember, Jesus said, I sanctify myself for the sake of the world, for yeah. their sake. Mm-hmm. You know, when, when we live in a, a life that glorifies him, and, and part of that is being quick to apologize to somebody if we've done wrong because we're not perfect people. <laughs> Jesus was perfect. He never had to apologize. But we, that's part of the witness of, wow, this person really does have a relationship with God. And so holiness, interestingly enough, is the only description of the church that Jesus is coming back for. So obviously, this is going to become a very important subject matter in the church, not just to talk about, but to live, because I do believe the church is going to represent him so well in these coming days. And that's why I think right now you feel this stirring in your heart as Lisa and I are talking about this, because you long for holiness, your inward person. And they person. long for the presence of God. Yes. You yes. know, there's so many people, they say, you know, God doesn't talk to me. Well, you know, ask him, ask him if there's something that you're you're having conversation with in the world that, that he's actually trying to, like what you're saying, knock at your door and you're too busy talking about other things and he's trying to get a word in edgewise. You know, this is from the book, Killing Kryptonite. I was just going to say that. You beat me to it. You know, so many of these insights we're talking about, they're in the the book, Killing Kryptonite. And, you know, we have just skimmed on the surface of this material. So if you actually want more information on this book, plus right now, can they still get, I think, some free bonus materials? Then you need to go to Killing Kryptonite, which is awesome. Easy to remember, killingkryptonite.com. Also, if you can check out our new podcast called The Messenger Podcast, we're super excited. We've got new podcasts. Podcast. We're doing some stuff with our sons, some of our team members. It releases every other Tuesday. You could subscribe to that podcast and to this podcast on iTunes. So yes. thank you for joining us today. And John, thank you for highlighting what it means to have a relationship with holiness and intimacy with God. Thanks for listening to Conversations with John and Lisa. Let us know your thoughts by leaving a review and be sure to subscribe and share these episodes through iTunes. For more information on John's new book and study, please visit killingkryptonite.com. Until next time.